Hey, how you doing? My name is Luke Such. I'm Scott Mainema. And today, well, we, Scott doesn't know what we're talking about today. We're going to find that out in just a moment. Uh, we're changing things only so slightly, though. It's really uh, uh, just a continuation of what's been going on. Scott, do you have a guest? Do you want to like ponder out loud what we're going to talk about? No, I don't even think this is funny. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, okay, uh, so uh, there, there's a little little bit of explanation required before I uh, drop a topic on Scott while we are recording. Um, when we started talking about this, one of the things that I wanted to do with a podcast is something that we we really haven't done yet to this point, and so it sing. No, no, oh, no. That's good. I'm going to spare the people of that that torture. Um, no, no, no. It, it, I frequently find uh, two two things. One, that the medium lends itself well to ongoing conversation, to an open-ended question that doesn't have a conclusion, but is something that is to be dialogued on. And uh, we've we've leaned away from that in many ways due to, and, and this is a good thing, but a, a pastoral burden not to leave people hanging, to, to have questions that we say, the Bible has meaningful answers to these things, and I don't want to let you walk away from this feeling like, I don't know, you know, it's not just a shoulder shrug. Uh-oh. <laughs> so there's, there's that side. I, I feel like the medium lends itself well to kind of open-ended questions that we don't have an answer to, um, but we've not been doing a lot of that because of a, a pastoral responsibility to help lead and, sh- and shepherd and uh, form thinking. So there's that side. The other side that has uh, leading me to do what, <laughs> what Scott and I are going to do today is that oftentimes as a pastor— people see or hear me stand up and talk on something that I prepared 20 plus hours that week to talk on. And so they think that I know more than I do. It is an inevitability that I look more intelligent, that I look more uh, completely well-rounded than I actually am because I've been thinking and studying and reading and writing and trying to like pick the right words for that particular 45-minute time section on a Sunday morning, and so you get the impression that I, or anybody who's preaching or teaching in in most capacities, is uh, more capable, more spiritual, more biblically grounded than we really are. And so I wanted to have an avenue to show, there are lots of things that I go, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking about that. I don't know. That's an interesting thought. Okay, so I give you those two premises, Scott. And I just all I want to know ahead. is if you get to drop one of these on me, then in another podcast on the road, do I get to? You absolutely drop? do. Oh, good. Yes. Oh. No, I I am thrilled for you to have to. And so I what we're going to do today, I've I've not told Scott on purpose. We're going to talk about anxiety. No, because I <laughs> because I knew if I told you, you'd prepare an answer, and I wanted to actually. I, I think it's helpful for us to model Christian thinking, not just Christian conclusions. Oh, man, you got the wrong guy. (laughs) No, I don't. No, I don't. So uh, all that as a preamble to a, a, I don't even know who said it first, a famous line, and I I think I heard it first from Cornel West, who's an interesting character in and of himself, but uh, 
the, the, the basic line goes that the great mystery of Western civilization is that Jesus never laughs and Socrates never cries. Let's leave Socrates out of this for a moment. But as Christians, when I think about, and I've intentionally avoided trying to do any in-depth things. I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to uh, come loaded and make Scott unarmed. Um, when I think about the truth that in the Gospels, I never see Jesus laugh. What does that do for humor? How, how am I supposed to understand it? What, what do we think about it? What do we think about Christian humor? That's what we're talking about today, Scott. <laughs> so there you go. Scott just found out for the first time. Yeah, so when when we when you talk about Jesus laughing, yeah. I think you're trying to steer this conversation to Christian humor. My first thought goes to emotion and I would probably approach it from from that perspective. What, in what way do you think that steers the conversation differently? Mm. Well, because it comes back to some of the some of the conversations we've had in the past. We've talked about how I mean the battle. We're, we we live our lives out of our uh, out of the inner man, and the inner man specifically our our thinking and our emotions. And so our thinking drives our emotions, which drives our behavior. So any conversation on humor um, still comes back to our thinking, our emotions, and then acting out of that, I think. So does that, does that make sense at all? Well, I mean, it does. There's an, I mean, there's an anthropological component to your question. Sure. Of course there is. Yeah. And so... So we're, we're created emotional beings. Right. If I, if I start to think about this, maybe down the, the line of thinking that you're going down, or maybe maybe not, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we're created emotional. It's not that uh, one of the books that I actually referenced in our last one. Untangling. Uh, uh, no, no, no. The other one, Gerald Peterman's, uh, oh, shoot, Joy and Tears, or I, th I think that's what the title is. But he, I, I told you, he opens up like the opening lines of the book is, I'm a recovering Christian stoic. And his argument is, like, I used to think that the proper way to follow Christ was with a rejection of emotion, and I just don't find that. Now, uh, on the other side of that coin of, of the statement, we do find Jesus crying. Mm -hmm. I mean, quite famously with Lazarus and John 11, but you can also find Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. And so you have this, this uh, one side of that equation that we see in the person of Christ that Emotion isn't wrong, right? So we, we can immediately go to that big, broad category and go, there, there isn't a, a sinful element to emotion necessarily. But that leaves us with all kinds of ambiguity on, okay, what emotions are offered to us and what are not. So you, you can find things like be angry and do not sin in Ephesians, and you go, okay, th there's a permissibility to a specific set of how to be angry and when and in the right amount and with the right person and in the right circumstance. That's not always easy to do. Um, but but to the broader question at hand, and, and maybe we do need to just keep teasing out this emotion question, um, where do we put humor or laughter or 
Uh, I, I find a lot about joy, but I would definitely not categorize joy and humor or joy and laughter necessarily as the same. I think there's meaningful distinctions between those. Well, so there's no passage that I'm aware of. And, that, that and would, you may that be would, wrong, but I didn't give you a chance to right. look it up. So, so that's why I say that I'm aware of yes, it. I'm, yes, yes. I'm open to being corrected for sure. But that would be instructive or informative in any way that, that points to Jesus's laughing. Right. However, I, I mean, I want to come at this from, I mean, we have to come at this from uh, a biblical perspective. So what biblical uh, principles are there? Well, Jesus was fully human. Right. So the humanity of Christ the has humanity to play of Christ into this has question. To play into this, number one. Number yeah, two, yeah. he experienced the full range mm-hmm. of human emotions. Right. So you said earlier we're, you know, we're created as emotional beings. I'd, I'd, in an effort to try to be even more precise, I would say we, are, we were created as embodied souls or embodied spirits. And so as part of that, the inner man, that, that inner man that's embodied— is a there is an emotional component to it, but those emotions are driven by again by our by our thinking. They're one aspect of the heart. But when we think about Christ experiencing the full range of human emotions, I would have to, you know, then include in that, you know, laughter, laughter. humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's if we're gonna tease this out, I would come at it from that angle. Well, I think I think we are teasing this out. That's, okay, that, that's yeah, exactly yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> what's going on here. Okay, so uh, leaning into his humanity, we then say, and I think I would agree with you on all of this, that while it isn't recorded, that he, it would be dubious to s- suggest that because it's not written down, Jesus never laughed, that he was just some child who like never found anything funny, you know, that, that seems like completely out of the box for what we know about the person of Christ. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. How does that then manifest itself for Christians? Well, I think before, again, even before we get there, okay, because uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I could be tempted to say, well, then, you know, we just, we find humor in everything, and and I think we got to go back to Jesus came on a mission to accomplish a purpose, and it's possible that the, the scriptures don't don't record any of his laughter um, because it was wouldn't be it wouldn't be precise to the to ultimately to the mission that he came to hmm. to do, and, and I mean. The, the, you know, whether we look at any of the Gospels, the Gospels are really an account of, of, of the life of Christ, but how Christ lived on mission to fulfill the will of the Father for the glory of God. And so I would imagine that you and I um, don't live on mission to the same degree that he did, and we may, and we may find, and, and when we look at at laughter, yeah. Even in laughter, what do we find? I mean, now my now my mind just going in different directions, right? So great. Um, that's that's what, what the open ended question. Right? We can go yeah. in whatever direction. 
I'm just not sure how productive this is going to be. <laughs> well, it may, it may be we get to the end of this and go, yeah, we're not doing that again. But, but, but fair enough. But, you know, oftentimes I laugh mm-hmm. at, at and find humor in things that I think if Christ was there, he wouldn't find humorous or funny because of where his heart, specifically his mind and his emotions are planted and aligned. And so, I mean, I've got to, I've got to suspect myself and how much of my, my laughter, my humor is, well, can there be such thing as righteous and unrighteous laughter and humor? Uh, uh, yeah. There has to be. Right. There has to yep. be an answer that's yes to that. Yeah. So maybe that's where I'd like to tease that. Like, how do I differentiate? Like, I, I don't have much of a biblical example on that question what righteous laughter looks like and what unrighteous laughter or humor on either side of that looks like. And so I I find it to be a a trickier proposition to say, all right, how do I pull out my moral biblical scalpel and separate these things? It's it's hard to do. I I just find it an interesting proposition. And and the other point to this, and one of the reasons why I chose this as a topic, it's not something we think about or write about a lot. So you're not going to find it. I, I would be love for you to say, oh, no, no, there's a treasure trove of Christian blog articles on laughter. And I know the Internet's a far and deep and wide place, and so there probably are a handful. But I, I don't find it in the mainstream of evangelical thought that we've thought well about humor or laughter. Hmm. I, yeah. I do. Sorry. I, I've seen it discussed in terms of what place does it have in the pulpit? And I've heard some discussion on that that's a little more in-depth. But just in terms of sitting around the dinner table, I, I don't hear many people talk about it or think about it. Yeah. I, so when a couple of things. I mean, the, the idea of it being in the pulpit, that's, that's, Com- an, that's, yeah, an, that's a separate thing. I mean, I'd love to chase that, but <laughs> I mean, I'm tempted to chase sure, that, right? Sure, right. We're allowed. But you can I, do whatever I, you want. But I think that if we're going to—maybe we create a framework okay. for thinking about this. So— if I'm going to create a framework, here's some passages that come to mind. The idea of whatever you do, whether you eat a drink do, or laugh, yeah. do, do do all the glory of God. So is is what I'm finding humor in, yeah. is it to my glory and to my praise, and or is it to the glory of God? I think because oftentimes I laugh at things that... Don't glorify God, but glorify somehow glorify me. Hmm. Maybe it's the, maybe it's you know at um, uh, I I think about you know scrolling through Facebook and seeing some um, you know TikTok thing that is um, where somebody does an impression of something and and I think oh that's really you know that's funny and yet. What I'm laughing at is not a, a righteous act. It's not something that is good. So f- another passage, right, Philippians 4, 8, whatever things are just, true, pure, lovely, good, think on these things. So that's got to be part of the, you know, the framework or the wall. If yep. you're creating a, uh, a wall to, 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 to function in, does it glorify God? Is it just, true, pure, good? Is it, you know, am I laughing at, is it self-depreciating, 
right? And and um, and and so am I. Oftentimes, I I laugh at my own my own inadequacies. Yeah, you know, um, I don't believe there's anything unrighteous in that. Hmm. So um, I don't know. Do you have do you have any other thoughts as far as some passages that might create a framework for how we how we talk about this? Yeah, well, I I teased at this last Sunday a little bit or a couple Sundays ago um, that I my instinct is to say that I think we would probably lean towards being more prudish than we should because we we lean into those types of passages. The one that I mentioned in that sermon a few weeks ago is Ephesians four twenty nine. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Mm. Yeah. And then Paul has all kinds of unwholesome talk by most of our modern evangelical standards that would. Now he's talking about issues of gospel integrity. So there you go. I don't know. Am I able to use that type of um, understanding of of Paul's? not caveat to that command in Ephesians 4.29, but uh, nuance, if you will. Am I able to, to apply that to humor? And that feels like a stretch. And at the same time, I, I'm worried by the instinct of—I I think if evangelicalism is going to struggle, it's going to lean towards legalism. At least it is historically. Now, I, I think that in some ways— that's a generational question, and it's probably different topic by topic. But my generation may lean towards an abuse of freedom as against an abuse of rules. But an older generation of evangelicalism probably leans toward a overemphasis on rule following, self righteousness. Yes, and so I would expect, right when I start to think about this, that that instinct has also been applied in humor that that we have in our uh, DNA as a evangelical culture a uh, a squeamishness towards anything that you might right that you can't you know it's the old joke about they they teach abstinence because sex might lead to dancing. You know, it's that that kind of line of thinking. That sorry, <laughs> you've not heard this one. Why <laughs> that we've we've like taken this like very very narrow. Like you can't dance, can't play cards, and and I know that those are silly and archaic now. Unless you went back fifty years, in which case that was pretty standard practice at a lot of evangelical institutions and in a lot of churches. And you go, okay, we, we are abusing the rules. We're, we're doing exactly what the Pharisees did. We're trying to draw an extra boundary around the biblical boundary to make sure we don't even get close to it. And, and I think that that instinct is still there. Uh, Kevin Williamson, who used to write for National Review, and then he was at The Atlantic for a little while and got fired very quickly, if I'm remembering this story quite correctly, um, basically because he was too conservative. But anyhow, he he had a line that every American has a little Puritan in the soul, that, that like somewhere, like we have this Puritanistic... Now, full disclosure, we probably need a little more Puritan within us, if we're honest. But uh, the comment that he's making is that we kind of have this, this legalistic lingering ethos that is hard for us to remove on any any given topic. And so I, I think if I'm trying to build the framework, 
I think those biblical ones are absolutely true. So I like Philippians 4. I like Ephesians 4. I, I think those are helpful. I, I like the Colossians passage. I do it all to the glory of God. Those are helpful biblical frameworks. I also want to throw into my thinking on this a, a filter, if you will, to know my, my tradition's biases and to think that this is probably influencing how I'm going to consider any topic. Um, and so I have to know that, and I have to be able to kind of steer into the slide, if you will, to help myself correct. Does that make mm, sense? Yeah, I think so. So do you think, it, can humor be subjective and culturally influenced to yeah. need some degree? Uh, of course. I mean, humor is by definition subjective, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've, somebody once described humor as a shared experience. So I don't know if you've ever like sat on the outside of an inside joke and watched people think it was hilarious <laughs> that you were like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm glad you're laughing, you know? And, and to your uh, question of self-deprecating humor, you know, depending on the relationship, especially, I, I find this especially true with men, like that, that's like relationally bonding. If you didn't make fun of me, we wouldn't be close. You know, I, I need that uh, amount of relational, that, that, that is relational intimacy for a lot of men. Mm. Like the ability to make fun of each other on good standing, knowing that the, the joking around, the humor with each other is done not in a way that I'm like, I'm actually trying to tear you down, but it's actually a way that is trying to build up. So said another way, maybe you're saying that humor can is a way of building relationships. It's a way to absolutely it's it is. a way to connect with one another. Who um, do you laugh the most with? Right. It breaks it, down barriers. It's the people that you've shared life together, mm -hmm. that you have like a history of stories, right? If you've you all you need to do is go to a a a family, a friend who has a close family and go sit around their dinner table one night, and like watch the stories and the laughter that shows up. And they'll talk about that time that, you know, dad did this weird thing on vacation. They all start laughing and you're like, I don't know what's going on. But like, there's just a shared human experience, a relational bonding over what we laugh over. And I, I, I'm, I, again, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer to this question. I don't have a, like, here's the end goal. But I, I think that we are perhaps too gun-shy to laugh with each other. And I laugh at you all the time. <laughs> See? Right there. I love it. I love it. And that is the, like, a use of humor. I don't think it's unrighteous. In fact, I think it's yeah. actually very good. That so, that is a good thing that you and I can do and look at each other and laugh and know, dear brother in the Lord, he should make that joke at me. I've left it wide open for him and, you know, make, make your layups. So I'm still, I'm still trying to connect this conversation to as many passages as we can. So here's a question. Yeah. When we look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh -huh. 5, yeah. and one of the Spirit's fruit is joy— is is it a stretch to say that laughter is one way that joy expresses itself? I don't think so. I, I think I think laughter is a tangible manifestation of joy, but it's not the only one. I think you can right. you no, can cry why, with joy. That's right. That's why I framed it that way. Yeah, I mean, of just course. one one aspect. Now the other aspect, when I think biblically, 
the, when I think laughter, what jumps out to me is Sarah's response to being told she's going to have Isaac. And so there's also a scoffing laughter mm. that she's rebuked for. Yeah. And so uh, it's just such an interesting dynamic to me. So when you go to that passage, and is it Genesis oh, 17 off the top of my head, 19, one of those, and, and right, she's listening at the tent, and she hears the angel of the Lord or, or whoever it is, depending on uh, what you want to read into that. Uh, tell Abraham that he's going that Sarah's going to have a son, and yeah, okay. So Genesis seventeen, and and she laughs, and it's not a laughter of joy; it's a laughter of scoffing. Mm-hmm. And see, it goes back to the heart, doesn't it? It sure does. Everything goes back to the heart, and what? So what's, maybe there's what's a, the a, motivation behind my laughter? I appreciate. I, I think that is a much better. Um, metric for us to when we start talking oh, about that framework. Sure. <laughs> well, is, and isn't this the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah. Like all of these actions that we've tried to like give ourselves a pass on, and Jesus goes, no, no, it's your motivation. Like go go like 10 levels deeper and analyze there, and that will inform whether yeah. that is a righteous or unrighteous behavior, yeah. not anything else. And now that's hard work. And I don't, I, there isn't a quick way, there isn't a rubric that I can set up and go, all right, does this joke pass the motivation test? You know, I, I can't do that. Um, but I, 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 there's also an element in there that I think I could have a pure motive and someone else could still be offended by it. Fair? Sure. And so now what do I do? Right? Now I, I think when I like open the floodgate of humor or laughter, I also have to have the relational maturity, sensibility, and and care for my fellow brother and sister that if my humor, done in proper motivation and one that I think could even be righteous to God, that if it offends someone else, I'm still willing to go and right that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as we're, as we're talking, you know, it also occurs to me that humor can be an effective tool for... <clears throat> communication um, absolutely for teaching at times I'm not and I'm not connecting it to the conversation about in the pulpit with with preaching some could make an argument for that but I'm just saying it can be a, a communication a good communication tool yeah right? absolutely yeah. I I, it, it, I mean yes in a formal teaching setting but also with like your children. Like, mm-hmm. if I can get my kids to laugh, right, if we can laugh our way through something, we will remember. There's, I'm sure there's some kind of psychological study out there I'm tying memory to laughter, and there, there's probably something there. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, com- this is complete conjecture at this point. But it, it seems to me that I'm, I'm able to just anecdotally remember things that make me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what we've, I think what we, where we're at so far is... We've created a little bit of a framework for the question. And then, but it really comes down to, like so many things, it's, it, there's a lot of gray in it, but it really comes down to the heart and motivation. Why, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? I, well, right. yeah, and I, I think there's an important entry level there that I, you can humor can be used in a God-honoring way. Mm-hmm. So I think we can establish that. I, I, I think that's true. Um, I, I think I, you can also use it in a dishonoring way. Yeah. You know what the thing we, we've, well, we've missed up till this point. Okay. And uh, 
and it occurs to me, so, you know, push back if you disagree. But I, I think, now that we're thinking about this, I think this is part of being created in the image of God. God mm-hmm. laughs. God laughs, God laughs, you know, throughout Scripture at, at humans' humans' endeavors to, well, to try to be God, right? And he, he laughs at, and, and so in... But is that more kind of the scoffing laughter? Well, in his case, it is kind of a scoffing laughter, right. but my point is um, he laughs. Hmm. And so if... And maybe, and again, maybe uh, we don't, this isn't the right way to go, but I think, again, a framework is, is this part of the image of God? Is this part of what, when we talk about even Jesus experiencing the full range of emotions in his humanity, but there's still a image of God there, right? He is the, that's what Colossians says, is what John says, he is the perfect image of God. So in that, and in that range of, emotions. Um, laughter is part of being created in the image of God. Yeah, I, I can also, I, while we don't have any recorded instances of Jesus laughing, he is hilarious. I mean, there are times when you read in math and you're like, you've got a speck in your eye, remove the log out of your own. Like, you just look at that mental image and be like, that's funny. That is just funny. Or a camel walking through the eye of a needle. And you're like, oh no, th- this is intention. This is a mm. humorous statement. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm sure there is some middle school kid in the crowd who's like, <laughs> you know, like like he gives like that little chuckle to Jesus talking about someone walking around with a log in their eye. Like if you can imagine just like a two by four hanging out of this person's eye and them going, like, hey, I think I think I see something in yours. And you're like, oh no, that that's a funny image. There's there's humor there, and so I. I don't know that I can uh, build something from it, but back to our framework, it's not necessarily wrong, though we need to be careful and we have some guardrails up. Is, is it noble? Is it pure? Is it holy? Um, is it done in a way that brings glory to God? And then really deep down underneath it, what is your motive? And if your motive is self-glorification, then... Or, yeah. Which is a, a lot of humor is what that is, right? right? I'm just trying to draw attention to me. Yes, yes, and that's so right. There is a a precipice, a cliff of morality that we lean out over as, to, as soon as you get ready to tell the joke because it may bring undue attention and glory to yourself. And that it's not unlikely that that is your purpose mm-hmm. in bringing out whatever humor it may be. Um, but there's also a, at least at this level, a relationally bonding element to humor. And so laughing together builds a team. It builds a relationship. It builds a family. It builds a church. Yeah. Right? Churches have instances. I mean, I could go through, I, we laugh about pastors. It's one of our favorite things to do when we get together. We we tell stories about the crazy things that happen in church world, and we just laugh, right? We just laugh over... I have a good friend who, uh, just briefly, you know, since we're here, we go ahead and laugh about it. You, you would appreciate this. Uh, a lady in his church had a doctor's appointment and got... was told, you need to, you need to lay off caffeine. And so she took it upon herself she was in charge of the coffee ministry at church. She, she switched the entire ministry over to decaf and didn't tell anybody. So oh. she, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, no. so, but not only that, she 
she kept to, to make sure that nobody knew she emptied out the caffeinated coffee and refilled it with decaf coffee so that people thought they were drinking caffeine and then weren't all because her doctor told her she couldn't have any more caffeine. And a, a pastor buddy of mine tells this story. He's like one Sunday morning, he's preaching. He like looks at the back row and all the deacons are yawning. And like, he's, he's having a hard time keeping anybody's attention. Like didn't realize the entire church had their coffee with no caffeine in it that morning. And we all just laughed together. And it wasn't a like a story. We don't tell that story to like bring glory to himself. We do it to to delight in what it is to be human, to to bond over those things. And I think God's honored by that. Yeah, I'm just my mind's going as you're telling the story. I'm I'm envisioning somebody going through a uh, a membership interview at a different church, and they go, "Why did you leave your previous church?" And they say, "Yeah, because they took the caffeine. They got rid out of, of the, the caffeine. Yeah, that's the grounds for termination of membership, right there. Grounds for term. Jim will appreciate oh, that. Man, yeah. accidental punnery. Yeah." Not, not in the humor that honors God, right? I, I'm, not, I, I'm not even laughing. <laughs> that's right. I, I removed that from the option. Uh, yeah, announcement jokes. Uh, we, we lean towards the, uh, the burden of proof being on the, the, the righteous side of things. You have, to, you have to work really hard to prove that that one's going to be okay. Okay, anything else to say on this? I mean, I know we're kind of meandering our way through, and that was part of the point to say, I don't know, let's let's not have a end goal in mind. Let's just kind of think about it. Yeah. No, I think we've, uh, I mean, for 30 minutes, right, I think we've teased it out, and we've got some passages to think through and, and at least to filter the discussion through. And uh, so I am, I am satisfied. All right, fair enough. I, I will... Uh, Tease the thought, G.K. Chesterton in his book, Orthodoxy, closes with this idea, and he's talking about Christ, and he suggests, he, he uh, let me just read it verbatim so I don't mess this up. The Stoics, ancient and modern, modern, were proud of concealing their tears, but he, that's Christ, never concealed his tears. He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far side of his na native city. Yet he concealed something. Solemn supermen and imperial diplomats are proud of restraining their anger. He never restrained his anger. He flung furniture down from the steps of the temple and asked men how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. Yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence. There wasn't that shattering personality a thread that must be called shyness. There was something that he hid from all men when he went up on the mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was some... There was some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon the earth, and I have sometimes fancied that it was his mirth. I don't know that I agree with him, but it's an interesting thought that Jesus actually <laughs> conceals his, his laughter and his, his humor, mm. that that being something that he withheld from us. So I don't know. We'll have to ask God when we get there. Uh, but until then, uh, keep pondering how to laugh in a way that honors God. It's a worthwhile pursuit.